Miguel and Elaine and Ray. Uh, would you like me to continue with the class today? I, I'm ready to continue. I don't mind if only a few people come. Would you like a... All right, so we'll continue. Good. Um, let's go to our class today. Okay. Today is a actually quite good, supposed to be a good class. I hope you will enjoy it. So, so last time, uh, last time we mentioned that uh, uh, as we learn the, uh, the story of Joseph, uh, this is the unique opportunity or insight into, uh, thank you for Russell and Teresa to join us. Uh, so there is a unique opportunity, this story provides us a, a unique opportunity to see heavenly providence. Uh, we see how on the, how one hand, shalom, one hand how the heavenly court execute uh, his general decree to bring Israel down to Egypt. Okay, that's the thrust of the story. Uh, Hashem, is a, Hashem said to Abraham years ago, uh, your, your children will be slave in, a slave in Egypt. So, the heavenly decree pushes things down to Egypt. Jacob should find, as Rashi says, Jacob should find himself in Egypt one way or the other, either by carry, by chains, by army, or by any other way. So uh, there is a decree. So the, we know how, how, what direction the heavenly court pushes history or event. That's, uh, that's the history, that's a historical aspect. And then we also have the opportunity to, the, the, the story is full of personal uh, trial and tribulations, uh, envy. It's a really, each one of the heroes in the story moving in his, in his own little sphere. Actually being unaware that the heavenly court pushes things down to Egypt. They sell Joseph to Egypt, and they are they repent, they cry about it, they did awful things, they, but they are not aware that actually this is a vehicle to bring Israel down to Egypt. So here is a unique opportunity. We don't have any any anyone like that in the entire Torah to see how uh, two level of of heavenly providence. Okay, how Hashem how Hashem conduct the affair. On one hand, there is a, a historical big picture. Uh, a heavenly court decide how to move history around, how to move Israel, the nations around. And then on a, on a personal level, the story is full of, of, of uh, evidence of how Hashem take care of individuals, what we call personal providence. So there is no other story of the Torah that it's so explicitly laid out. 
uh, in this fashion. So that's why, but that's what makes the story of Joseph, selling of Joseph, so unique, so important in Torah. Because from here you learn uh, many many things the rabbi derived from here on personal level, on 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 uh, how how Hashem won the world, so to speak. So last time we also mentioned that uh, uh, we we decide what blasphemy we we learn. This was a, a class before last time. We decided we learned what blasphemy is. We said that blasphemy is created by a person, not by just cursing Hashem, but by any misbehavior. If a person is a pious and he and he uh, behave uh, misbehave in such a way that bring people to despise the Torah or to hate the Torah or to hate the rabbis or to hate Hashem. So by by his conduction, he he caused he caused blasphemy. And the opposite is also true. If a person sanctifies in his life the name of Hashem, when people see him, that's the Rambam says. We learn the Rambam. If people see this person do, does a wonderful thing for society, for humanity, for for whatever reason, but thing that people stand in awe. And I say, oh, you see, this? look at this person. This is an example of the Torah. How the Torah has a good influence on people. If it gives charity and passion, compassionate, merciful, and so on. So that causes other people to bless Hashem, to cling to Hashem. And that's sanctification. And we, we, we saw last time how actually the, the family, this family of Joseph, the as soon as they are be, being appointed to, to the most revered family on earth, Israel, his name is changed to Israel, the whole heavenly court is waiting for him to sing holy, 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 so to speak, from earth. That's the, that's the struggle that he had in the angel. So at the climax of, of his holiness, suddenly uh, Jacob uh, misbehaved. He, he listened to Loshan Hara, to bad mouth. The whole family fall apart. They, they, they say Loshan Hara or bad mouth on each other. They, 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 they hate. They hate Joseph. They hate each other. Finally, they, they want to kill him. They throw him to the, to the uh, pit and they sell him, which is an awful thing. This is, they, they, they fall down to the, to the lowest of the lowest of the lowest level. Show me any person who do such thing to sell his brother just from hatred to slavery. So this is, this is a, a source of blasphemy. And because of that, especially after they, they also dig, the, dig the, uh, the, uh, the shirt of Joseph and the body is full of blood to his father, the father cried, so the Shekhinah departed from them. The Joseph, uh, uh, Jacob is not called Joseph, uh, Jacob is not called Israel anymore. He cried all the time, the Shekhinah departs from him. He has no prophecy anymore. The Shekhinah will go back to him only later on, years later, when he will go down to Egypt and meet Joseph again. Then his name is suddenly appear as Israel again. So the rabbi said that they here, that's why he didn't know what happened to Joseph. Had he had, he had he had prophecy with him, he would have known what happened to, to Joseph, so to speak. 
But he cried and cried and cried, and he, he was because it was a punishment or, or decline because of the lotion heart that he accepted, the bad mouth, and also the entire family fall apart. They start to fight with each other. They blame each other for what happened. They are in depression. Everybody crying. The the life is distorted. The Shekhinah is gone from them. So that's why that's why the Torah uh, moves now and go and and show that in fact there are two people that still carry the Shekhinah with them among the entire family. One is Judah and one is Joseph. So let's focus. First, actually, the Torah starts with, with, with Judah. Judah and Tamar. And uh, uh, last, last week I kind of skipped it, but I thought maybe you should read it a little bit more in detail because this is a, a very important story because this is the origin of House of David. So how, it must be a very important story. Uh, David came from Judah in Tamar. So uh, we're not, not going to call. We're not going to read the entire story, which is long. Uh, you can read it on yourself, on your own. But I just want to bring a few things here from the story that's important to our discussion. Remember, we learn the whole chapter from the prison of of uh, blasphemy. We learn, we, learn, we, learn to, we need to find out what blasphemy is and what is sanctification for Hashem is. This is our topic. And this is actually what the Torah is actually talking about. So after the selling of Joseph, the Torah now says what happened to Judah. And it came to pass, this is uh, uh, Genesis uh, 38. You can open it in your own Bible, 38. Thank you all for being with us. Uh, I, I see a whole group is here, thank you. And it came to pass... The Judah went down, descended actually, from his brother, and turned to a Dolomite man, whose name was Hira. And Judah saw there a daughter of a Canaanite person, whose name was Shua, and he took her and he went in, in with her. And she conceived and bore him a son, and she called him Er. And she conceived again and bore with a son, and she called Onan. These are the children of, of Judah, Er and Onan, from the Canaanite woman. And, and she yet conceived again and bore a son, a third son, and she called him Shelah. And Judah took a wife for Er, his firstborn, whose name was Tamar. So Tamar is the wife of his firstborn. Then, and here, Er, the first son, was evil in the eyes of Hashem. Here is an example how in the entire Torah, the name evil is only in connection to Hashem. A sinner is in the eyes of Elohim. Evil is in the eyes of the merciful one. And you can imagine if, it, if Hashem sees as evil without elaborating. So it, it means that he was incompassionate, unmerciful, Unforgiving, he did evil things. He cheated. He did the, all everything that the psalm song tell about evil people. That's what he did, and that's what Hashem hates. So it's not like he didn't eat kosher food or he violated the, the law. He did evil thing. He took advantage of the poor and so on. Whatever the Torah doesn't elaborate. 
that he did evil in the eyes of Hashem, and Hashem killed him. So it's not that Hashem, uh, not, it's not that um, uh, Jehovah is a, is a, is a sword of uh, vengeance, but it's because the merciful one doesn't like the evil people. That's all. And Judah, and that's merciful one, always fight against evil. It, it overturns Sodom and Gomorrah, and it, it, it will, in the story, overturn uh, uh, Pharaoh in the sea. So that's what, Hashem, that's what Hashem does for evil people in her eye. People who make evil things in her eye. That's what the emphasis in the eyes of Hashem. And Hashem killed him without elaborating. There is no Lashon Hora here. There is no bad mouth. The Torah doesn't want to speak something bad about people if, if it's not relevant to the story. And Judah said to Ona, the second son, Go now into your brother's wife and perform the duty of a brother-in-law and raise that seed to your brother. As a, this was a custom. It's not the Torah, it's not the Torah custom, it's a nation, it's, it was a custom of all nations to do that. And Onan knew that his seed would not be his, and it came to pass, when he went to, into his brother's wife, which is Tamar, that he spilled it on the ground, lest he should give the seed to his brother. So he didn't want to have, to have her pregnant, become pregnant. And the thing that he did was seem evil in the eyes of Hashem. Again, you see, something that Hashem didn't like his heart. And he killed him also. Probably did some other thing, other bad things too. Now said Judah to Tamar, his daughter-in-law, because now they have a third son waiting for Tamar. But uh, instead of giving her Sheila, the third son, she says to, he says to do, to daughter-in-law, the widow, uh, he tell her, uh, remain in as a wind, in the widow, not a window, but a widow, <laughs> at your father's home, till Sheila, my son, be grown. For he, Judah, said, lest he die like his brother did. He was afraid that this woman kill her brother, kill her, kill her. she is responsible. So she is an evil, she is an evil uh, woman because look, two, two of her husband already passed, uh, they're killed. So she must be the, the, the cause of that. And Tamar went and dwelt into the father home. Now let's read uh, something about this story. And, and it started saying that Judah descended from his brother, and he went to Adulam. Now it means, simply means, uh, if there was a archaeologist uh, here, uh, he would say, "Oh, descended means simply go to the south, because Judah lived in Hebron, which is in the middle of Israel. Adulam is in the Negev, in the south. So he went." down, he descended down in the map. He, he went down to Egypt as you go down from New York to, to Louisiana. That's true, because Adulam is really south of, 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 of Hebron, and we go down to Egypt. Why we go down to Egypt? Because whenever we move south, we go down. And we move north, we go up. This is a classical uh, reference in ancient time, they used to speak like that. They still do it today. Uptown, downtown. 
But the verse, but when he says, when it, but the rabbi picked it up and said, when Jonah descended from his brother, he's also departed from them. He went down spiritually from them. He left the family, in fact. Uh, that's what Rashi says. Why? Because they blamed him for his advice. You remember when they sold Joseph, it was Judah that told them, oh, uh, let's, let's sell him to the, to the Ishmaelite, and they will sell him to whatever. Judah actually meant to save him, to save his life. Because he knew that they were, were going to kill him. Uh, but for them, because he, he is the one who, who, who told him to sell, so they blame him for everything. They forgot it. They themselves wanted to kill him. So they blame Judah now. So he, he, he was uh, enraged and actually descended morally and he went down to, to associate with this Canaanite. He married uh, not so such a, a righteous woman. And from then, you, you see the, the, size of the, the kind of a family he raised, evil people there, uh, that uh, you can tell what, what kind of level, lower level, Judah this Judah, the famous Judah, of, 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 of the, the father of King David, the future father of King David, this revealed Judah, uh, we're all Jews. The Jews are the same as Judah. So he descended, he descended, morally descended, descended down, and associated with non, non, not righteous people necessarily, and, and the children die, and he finally even deny, he accuse, he, he doesn't recognize her as a righteous person, uh, Tamar, and he accused her for the killing or death of his family, of the children, and he deny her. So he is in low level. Yet, what I want, the reason I put it here on the chart, is to show you something, something very important. That when, 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 when Judah is mentioned here, what do you see here? The name of Hashem, three times. Now, uh, it's very unique because the whole story, there is a point you mentioned last time, throughout, from the selling of Joseph down to, up to, up to Moses in, in the burning bush. So, therefore, for the next 400 years, so to speak, actually 210 years. So for that many years, the name of Hashem will not appear in the Torah until Moses, until Hashem appear again to Moses in the burning bush. So the entire story is is running by 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 not by Hashem. Uh, the the Shekhinah is departed from them, apart from two exceptions. And here are the exceptions. Exception number one is what we see here in Judah, that the name of Hashem appeared three times, which means the Shekhinah did not depart from, from Judah. Although she killed the evil people, but she was with Judah. Why is that? Now, why, is, why did Judah uh, uh, merit the Shekhinah to stay with him? He, he went down, he left the family, he was, a, he was associated with the wrong people. He married the wrong woman. So why did Shekhinah stay with him? Because the rest of the story. The rest of the story is that Tamar, and here I'm just keeping the story, let you read it by yourself. 
this daughter-in-law, Tamar, whom he thought is an evil woman, she disguised herself as a harlot, as you remember the story, and she sit, she disguised herself as a harlot and sit on the crossroad waiting for Judah. He saw her and he, and he, and he attracted by her and going to with her and as a payment she demanded she demanded from him, let me have your stuff and your signet, which he leave as a pledge and he said, tomorrow I'm going to bring you your payment as a lamb. Lo and behold, the next morning when he saw the messenger with the lamb, she's gone. She's not there anymore. And the, uh, the messenger asked, well, where, where is this prostitute that was there yesterday? And they said, no, there was none here. Nobody was here like that. So it became an enigma. I didn't know what happened. But she carried with him the staff and the signet. Of course, she became pregnant. This is a miracle from the first, only one encounter she became pregnant. And when she, and people see her being pregnant and she's not married now, so they accuse her for adultery and they take her to the court. Now this is a, this is a Canaanite court, which Judah also was sitting there at the court. And uh, they accused her for adultery, and they they uh, condemned her to be uh, to death by 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 fire, to be burned uh, burned to death. Now, she doesn't she see him, but she doesn't say she doesn't reveal who who, who is the father of this pregnancy. But she also she produced this stuff in a signet, and she says, "Give it to to Judah and tell him." But the owner of this stuff, by this man, this man, this is my, this is a man, by this man I was being pregnant. So she leaves the decision uh, to, to reveal himself in his own hand. She didn't want to shame him in public. So, so, so what she, she was ready to die rather than uh, make him shameful, just, just so people will say slush and horror about him. Bad mouth. So here she sanctifies her life just not to shame, to, 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 to shame the son of, the son of Jacob. That's sanctification of the name of Hashem. So she does the opposite of the brother, what the brother used to do. Now Judah, when he sees the stuff, he can deny it. He can go away, as many people do. No, I don't know who belongs. I don't know who is that father. I don't know how. She's my daughter-in-law, so obviously she, she stole it from my home, she could say. No, she said, she is a righteous more for me. That's kind of in Hebrew. It come out, it come out it's too many. She stay, he tells to the, to the judges, she is righteous, and the pregnancy is for me. Or she says, as the rabbi make interpretation, she is righteous more than me. So in, in, at the beginning, he didn't want to, he didn't want to let her marry Sheila because he's, this is a, a, a bad woman. And now, after she see her sanctifying her life, she see what she see, what you understand what she did. She's not a prostitute. She just wanted to have children from that family. 
in her eyes, that family was holy of holy, and she wanted to have, desperately wanted to have child from that family, be it, uh, if not, if, if, he don't, if not from the son, maybe for the father. In fact, this was the law of the time, that if not from the son, he can, she can go, the father can consummate the marriage too, if she has no children. This is obligation of the father too. So she, she followed the law, she followed, she wanted, she did the right thing, he recognized it, and she didn't want to ashamed you. So she said, she's righteous more than me. Now, by, by this admission, in public, the rabbi said, he came out from his depression, from all depression. So it was a Tamar, this woman, uh, who elevated Judah. So now we understand why the Shekhinah did not depart from both of them, from Tamar and, Shekh- and Judah, Judah or Judah he did not have any more relationship with them, but from that one time relationship was born the, the parents and the, uh, this is the father of the kingship from, from parents came on the line that you see in the Ruth scroll uh, down to, to David for many generations later. So this is the, uh, the Shekhinah was careful, took care of Judah and he finally came back to his family. So three times, three times the Hina appear here, you'd have FK. Now, let's see that the Torah continue and he sees something, somebody who is, the Shekhinah is even more than Judah. Somebody who had a, married the, the Shekhinah with him even more than Judah and about him we learned last time. Now the, the, the Joseph was brought down to Egypt. You see here in the, the same, in parallel to Judah that brought down, went down, Joseph was brought down by the Ishmaelite to Egypt. We, we, we read this story last time, and we said that by his denial, by his denying to, to cohabit with, the, with, the, with, the, with his master wife, he, uh, the name of the Shekhinah appeared about he, with the story eight times. So uh, Shekhinah took care of him. He was successful. Everywhere he went, he mentioned her name. And the rabbi said that the Shekhinah was with him all around. So in this filthy Egypt, in the face of the face, in the place where they worship the death, they build the huge grave for the death, superstitious, witchcraft, in the sexual promiscuity, there was no word for virgin. So this woman uh, that she wanted to, 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 to sleep with Joseph, probably she had many, many more such encounters before and after. And so this is a filthy Egypt uh, and that we know from history, we know from the Torah. Uh, but Joseph is there as a, as, a, as a bubble of holiness and the Shekhinah take care of him. Eight times her name is appeared. One time in the name of Elohim appeared when he rebuked to her, when he rebuked her. When he said, when she asked, uh, would you sleep, uh, I want you to sleep with me, she said, how can I do such a thing and I will sing to Elohim. So he, he, when, he, when he talked to, the, to her, he mentioned the name of Elohim. He doesn't mention the, the name of Hashem for two reasons. First of all, she may not even know what Hashem is. Secondly, uh, Elohim is a, is a present alone. He was careful. He was, he was saying, I'm not, I don't want to 
I am doing, I'm doing unlawful thing in the house of uh, Elohim. So as a result of that, he was put to, de- to, to jail. But in jail, again, Al-Shekhinah was living in jail. So this is number seven and number eight. Uh, Hashem was with him, and, and whatever he did, Hashem made him to prosper. This is where we find, have finished last time. Eight time, uh, eight time present here the level of what, what Joseph was. What Joseph was obligated, he kept the eight commandments of Noah and Abraham, the, the circumcision. So now we're going to move on, and we see uh, what what. What it's interesting to see now what happened to Joseph, and how how the heavenly court deal with him personally, and how the heavenly court deal with Israel uh, Israel in history in historical term. You remember, we talk about here the presence of God, the presence of Shekhinah, the presence of the of the of the of the heavenly court, the presence of it in in the personal life. And in history. Now remember, the story here is not just Joseph. It's each one of us. The Torah, the Torah teaches that, that what, what is, what is seen here, the rabbi saw it as a, as a, as a, as a, as a uh, metaphor, as an example of what, how the heavenly court deal with each, each one, each single person. Each one of us uh, are, are moved on his own life. With the, with the, with the uh, heavenly guidance. And at the same time, things that we are not even aware. Uh, the historical movement that Hashem, heavenly court, deals. That's called kinship. Hashem is not just created the world as, a, as, a, as Einstein said, and left, uh, just created the original movement or the creator or whatever. We know he did it, but it, that, that's not what the Torah says. The Torah says, he also interested what's going on here. Intervene with our life, with, with, with human life, with the history. That's the Torah message. Because everyone can understand that there was a creator, or uh, even, the, even the Greek understood that there is a, a creator, a force that created the world, uh, some kind of wisdom and so on. Uh, uh, we didn't need to Einstein to tell us that. Uh, but the, 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 the belief that the Hashem is here which in the life of each one of us, Jews and non-Jews, Pharaoh or, or the woman or everyone here, uh, uh, and remember Joseph here is a, is a Ben Noah. Yeah? So, so the message here is that the, every one of us is, is moved under this two level of heavenly call. Alright, so let's move now with the story. Trying to think about these two, two, two lines, the personal guidance and, and the uh, historical guidance. So uh, now, uh, after, the pla- after the placing, after they the place Joseph in the jail, so the Torah says a famous story about the uh, butler and the cook who sing to Pharaoh and they were thrown to the jail where Joseph was there. On purpose, I didn't want to, to write the whole section because, again, we want to focus here on, on a few things. We have no time to discuss every little thing here, but just the big picture. So, 
uh, as they dream, each one of them dream a dream. One of them, uh, uh, the, the, the bird ate his head, I mean head, and the other one was raised. I don't remember the detail now. But anyhow, when, when they come, when they come, they, both of them are bewildered, and they, they sit there in the morning, and the face are down, and Joseph, who is now a boy there, he moves around, or he's in charge, but he's kind of uh, moving around in the jail, and he sees them, he caters to them, and he says, uh, what happened to you? So they said, each one of them, they, they said, well, we, 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 each one of us has a dream, and we don't know how to, what, what it means. So he's telling, do not, does not, or do not interpretations belong to a Elohim? Tell me them. Tell me those stories. Here again is example how Joseph, whenever he speaks to, to, the, to, the, to the Egyptian, he uses the name of Elohim. He never uses the name of Hashem, but he uses the name of Elohim. We see later on why. So he told him, tell me this, tell me, this, tell me your story, because Elohim is the one who who will make the interpretation, and uh, hopefully he will tell me what to tell, what, how to make the interpretation. So they tell him the story, you know that. And one of them was good story, one of them was bad story, and, and give whatever he told him, however, whatever Joseph told him, that's what really happened. One of them was restored by Pharaoh. I think that's the butler. The other one was, uh, the head was cut off, exactly like he dreamed. And one day when Pharaoh had a dream, with the seven cows and the seven sheaves come, uh, each one of them, uh, the seven good cows eat the bad cows, and the seven good sheaves uh, eat the bad sheaves, uh, the double, double dream uh, that nobody could dream. So they call, come, come on the butler and say, oh, I have some, a boy, a evil boy there in the jail, he know how to solve, this, to solve the dream. Let Pharaoh call him. So Pharaoh call him. And now uh, he stand now uh, he stand now against Pharaoh, in front of Pharaoh. And when Pharaoh says to him, Oh, I heard that you know how to dream, I have I know that you I heard that you know uh, how to dream how to solve dreams. So Joseph answered him, It is not me Elohim. Uh, we give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Again, he speaks to Pharaoh, he mentions Elohim. Now, as he speaks to Pharaoh, let's now focus and build up what, how, let's count how many times he says Elohim to Pharaoh. So, he also, also mentioned one with, as he begins. Now, Pharaoh telling the story of the dream. You can read it, the double dream. Now Joseph uh, tried to solve the dream, and he says like this. And Joseph says to Pharaoh, the dream of Pharaoh is one. Elohim has declared to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are years, good years. And the dream is one. And the seven thin and ill-favored cows that come up after them are seven years. And the seven empty airs blasted with the eastern wind shall be seven years of famine. 
this is the thing that I have spoken to Pharaoh. What Elohim is about to do, he has shown to Pharaoh. Behold, there come seven years of great plenty throughout the old land of Egypt, and there will be rise after them seven years of famine, and all the plenty shall be forgotten in the land of Egypt. And the Pharaoh shall consume the land, and the plenty shall not be known in the land because of the famine that will follow. For it shall be very grievous. And for the repetition of the dream to Pharaoh twice, it is because the thing is first determined by Elohim, and Elohim will shortly bring it to pass. Now therefore let Pharaoh took out the man discreet and wise and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh do this and let him appoint officer over the land and take, and take a fifth part of the land of Egypt in seven years of plenty and let him gather all the food in those good years that come and lay up corn under the hand of Pharaoh and let him keep food in the cities and the food shall be stored in the land against the seven years of famine. It shall be in the land of Egypt, that the land shall not perish throughout the famine. And the thing was good in the eyes of Pharaoh, in the eyes of the servant, and Pharaoh said to his servant, Can, can we find such a one as this is, and then who is the spirit of Elohim in him? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, Since Elohim has shown you all this, uh, here is one, so this, uh, here is one, there is one so discreet, there is none so discreet and wise as you are. You shall uh, uh, rule over my house, and according to you shall all my people be ruled. You shall be over my house. So here, as we see, uh, he mentioned seven times Elohim, and remember when he talked to, when he talked to, uh, to the wife, to the woman, uh, he mentioned also one. So we have eight Elohim. If you if you look if you compare the woman to to Pharaoh, there is eight Elohim against eight Elohim, eight 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 you'd have Afke against Elohim. Now, by the way, before I forget, there are two. The rabbi talk about the two women. One uh, Tamar elevated elevated Judah. And a wicked woman, like uh, this, the, the wife of, uh, of Potiphar, uh, the wicked woman can bring people down. Shoshel Afam. So Elohim appeared a, a total of eight times, and here I put it, just I put it in color, I assemble it for you. And you can see, uh, again, the heavenly court, I didn't do anything on my own. All I did is just like uh, putting color on it. And you see that the first story with, with the with the with the uh, uh, woman with the Potiphar wife, uh, the, the Hashem prevailed eight times. And uh, if you, and and the, in the, in the, uh, when he speak to Pharaoh, uh, actually he mentioned Hashem Elohim seven times, but he already mentioned to to the woman one time Elohim. So a total of eight and eight. So there is a symmetry. There is a heavenly court. If you pay attention to the speaker and you put him in colors and to stand out, and it's clearly heavenly court, like the same, not not unlike we saw in Noah and uh, in Abraham, 
and in Ishmael and Isaac there are there are heavenly courts there. And this is a personal court that uh, moves, uh, keeps uh, Joseph running, moving on. As fascinating as this court is, uh, 8 and 8, uh, which as we, we spoke about 8 because uh, this is what Joseph presented the 8th commandment, 7 plus 1. Now that there is a, even, even a greater court that there is exactly on the same on the same court there is a, if you add if you take a, a big step a backward step and you look at the whole chapter you see a, actually a greater court that uh, move now we see what it moves something beyond Joseph uh, if I if I put here. I add because the, the story of Judah is just preceding the story of Joseph. It's just exactly the same, the same story, one after the other. So you are entitled to add the three, the three, you'd have K on top of Joseph. So you have the three line, the first three line is from Judah. And then the eighth, the eighth, eighth, eighth time, uh, Hashem is from Joseph. So you have, the, 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 blue, the blue wing of the Shekhinah, the, the merciful one, covering Joseph and Judah. And then you start counting uh, Elohim, including the time that he says Elohim to the jail, to the person in jail. So every time you mention Elohim, Joseph, you count it and you get 11. So you got 8 and 3 on top is 11, and down there 11. So you have 11, Hashem, 11 times Elohim supervising both Judah and Judah and, De, uh, Judah and Joseph on one hand, and, and what happened to Egypt to, to, in Israel in the other hand. So the heavenly, again, the heavenly court is, is residing here over over Joseph and Judah on top of the blue, because the first three line is is what we what we talk about Tamar taking from Tamar. The first three time, this this the second eighth time is from from the story of Joseph himself, which are just one continuing story. And then the Torah suddenly switch totally, and the name of Hashem doesn't appear anymore. And, and the entire story now, eight, 11 more times, or actually 10 more times, total 11, he mentioned Elohim to various people, to the woman, to the person in jail, and to Pharaoh. Altogether, altogether 11 times. So you have now the heavenly court supervising the two brothers, Joseph and Judah, uh, which is clearly actually the family. Jo Joseph and Judah present now the, the, the family of Jacob. Uh, by the way, number one, number ten and one, it, it talk about Ephraim and Menashe. The, uh, the number ten and number ten and eleven, uh, the, Joseph called his son Menashe and Ephraim. So Ephraim and Menashe represent now uh, the, the, the other side of the wing. Now to see to see how fascinating how true how truly the how truly the, 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 the court here it's is if you count the name of Joseph you see that 
when he speak when he speak to to the uh, when he deal with the Potiphar house to the, in in the Potiphar wife his name appears eleven times there in the blue. So in the entire wing blue wing Joseph appears eleven times. And the entire red wing is name appear also eleven times. So you see that the focus, although Joseph, although Judah is also present, the Shechina is on, Ju, on, on Judah also, but the Shechina rely on on Joseph. Why eleven? Uh, remember that the dream he had. He had a dream of eleven star uh, bowing to him. So eleven here is the nation of Israel. The, the rest of the family is eleven tribe. He is himself the number 12. So obviously the Shekhinah is now taking, the, the heavenly court is here presented, taking care of the nation of Israel as it going to, to Egypt with two leaders. And the heavenly court rely now on the only two people who sanctify the name of Hashem. Judah sanctified the name of Hashem by, by admitting by the story of Tamar. We saw how it's done, it was done. Joseph sanctified the name of Hashem when he ran out from, from, from the master wife. Instead of sinning, he was ready to sacrifice his life. He was ready to go to jail rather than to violate the law of Hashem. So this is the sanctification of Hashem. Not only that, when Pharaoh see him, he says, Pharaoh, now because of, because of Joseph, now Pharaoh speaks in the name of Elohim. So uh, you see how this is a good example of sanctification, how Joseph, by his behavior, Pharaoh knew the story. Pharaoh probably never, never believed that woman that put him in jail. Pharaoh probably was smart enough to understand the story. I think Thomas Mann wrote a book about it. Joseph and his brother, I think he speak about it, how nobody actually believed, even the, even the husband didn't believe the wife. Yet he put him, he was a rage, he put him in jail. Uh, but uh, Pharaoh, Pharaoh recognized who the person is, and by recognizing by recognizing Joseph and his, his wisdom, and he, 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 uh, every, every time uh, uh, he opened his mouth, the name of Elohim come out. So Elohim, uh, so Pharaoh says to, to, his, to his wise people, "Did you see how? Uh, do you find any any person that has so much such wisdom?" Uh, the Elohim, the Elohim put such wisdom in him. So Pharaoh understand what Elohim is. So that's that's the sanctification of of Hashem. So you have here the two people sanctified of Hashem, Judah and Joseph. Upon upon the two of them uh, over the heavenly court, taking care of each one of them personally, Judah and and Joseph certainly. As we see it explicitly, we don't have to be a brain surgeon to understand it. Everyone is here how the Shekhinah take care of Joseph. From the pit, or from the pit, he comes out to rule the world. With a miraculous event, with the dreams and everything, everything is from Hashem. So he is moved, he is moved by Hashem on a personal level because he sanctified the name of Hashem. Hashem doesn't let him go. And uh, Judah, the same thing, is ready to give his life for Hashem. He returned now to the family. Actually, his motive was to save, to save Joseph rather than, to, rather than uh, uh, to sell him. 
So the two people that uh, uh, the Sheikh of the Heavenly Court rely on them, and through them, uh, Hashem is exercising now his plan to bring to bring the Israel down to Egypt. Eleven, eleven, the eleven, the eleven time his name is mentioned because he is the one that's going to support the eleven tribe. He is the mainstay of the Jewish people right now, Joseph. He is a provider, he is a king. So we saw here an un unbelievable example that you don't find in, in other places of the Torah, how the two courts uh, uh, appear in our life. That's true not only for Joseph, but it appears to every one of us that deserve it. And everyone, I believe, deserves that kind of personal providence. But let's talk about what happened to, that's very important what happened to Joseph now, especially from Nenoah. Because what happened now is a fascinating story. Not only Joseph, when he ruled out of Egypt, not only took care of their hunger, but there is a fascinating verse there. Uh, the, the hunger finally strikes. They have a plenty, seven years of plenty, everybody is happy. Uh, but then the hunger strike, the recession and, and hunger, and people start to cry to Pharaoh. Now Pharaoh says to them, go to Joseph, whatever he says to you, do. Pharaoh now understands that uh, whatever Joseph told him is it's really happening. And he says, this is, this is it. You go to him, everything he says, you do. Everything. And that's the, that's the rabbis put, put, put a, pay attention to that word, everything. Whatever you, he says, you should do. So Rashi says on the spot, they, they told them to circumcise. This is a fascinating Rashi. It is the, it, it's based on the Midrash. Which means, it's, it really means that uh, Joseph, as the ruler of, uh, of Egypt, he, he, he really had, he thought himself, he had a big mission to teach the, the Egyptian holiness. He wanted to teach them the name, of, the name of Elohim. He wanted to teach them even the name of Hashem. He wanted to teach them the seventh commandment, not only the seventh commandment, but even to circumcise. So here is a proof this is a really a good proof that originally the, the number eight circumcision, the originally when Hashem tell, told the Abraham uh, that you, 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 you circumcise him, in fact, in fact, as many, many, many rabbinical authorities even say today, that in fact the, 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 the original intention was that the entire Humankind will circumcise along, along with Abraham, not just the Jewish people. And this was the understanding of Joseph. Later on, when it all failed, and, and, and we'll see later on how it evolved, but finally, it, Moses, when Moses came, uh, he, left, he left the circumcision as, as an obligation from the Torah only for the Jews. But originally, at this level of Joseph, so the, he thought, he, he, he saw himself, he told the Egyptians to go and circumcise. Well, it, I, I, can, I, can bet, I can bet that 
not only told him to circumcise, but he told him not to commit adultery, not adultery, not idol worshiping, and not to commit bloodshed. He was it, it, the whole whole idea of opening opening the silo and, and, and allocating food is a charity, is a compassionate passion. In fact, that's what uh, later on was, uh, his father, when he heard about the story, said, I don't understand what's going on in Egypt. There is such a passionate ruler suddenly sitting there. He fed the entire world. He could, he could have marched. He took. A, he could have taken an army when there was hunger. The hunger was all over the world. So he could. He could. He could marshal now a, a million soldiers and conquer the entire Middle East until China. Uh, Joseph could have done it. Instead, he opening the the silo and he he, he sell food. Whatever you have money, whatever money you have, bring and get your food. Uh, he did it in the name of Pharaoh, so Pharaoh, he needed to, 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 to demand some money, but, but the idea of, of, of not taking advantage of ruling them, but just uh, allocating, allocating the, 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 the food, is not, not a genuine Egyptian idea. So he, he apparently wanted to to, spend, to tell you what Yud Hey Vav K is too, but as the Lubavitcher Rebbe says, the Kelipa, the, the 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 filth of Egypt was too heavy, and they could not get it. So they took the circumcision. The circumcision actually was was a practice in Egypt for generation and generation afterward. The, the memory of uh, Joseph was actually disappeared, but they still kept the circumcision. They, they attached to it all kind of reason, but the Torah says, Rashi says, and the rabbi said that it came, all came from, from Joseph. So this was an attempt to, to, convert, to convert Egypt to the seven, to Noahide movement, so to speak. It's, so this was the first time it was done, and it failed. Completely failed because the Egyptian, uh, the Lubavitcher Rebbe said, the the the, the Egyptians were simply not ready for that. But they were ready for one thing. They they did accept the name. They understood what an Elohim name is, and that's fascinating because when when Moses came come down later on to to, to Pharaoh, a few generations later. And he stand before Pharaoh, uh, and so the, his wife, his wife, when he, he takes the stuff and he throws it on the floor, and there's a snake coming out, or crocodile coming out from, from that stuff, so they, they, uh, uh, they uh, and he eat, not only come out, but he eat the other, other crocodile, other snakes, so the, the wise people say, oh, this is a finger of Elohim. Also, one of the flag, the, the skin disease that they had. Uh, also, the, the, the wise people could not emulate it. So they said, oh, this is a finger of Elohim. This is expression that come from, came from, from Joseph, years later. Finger of Elohim. In fact, the whole plague, the whole ten plagues came, Moses, were brought for Moses for one purpose only. To teach them not what Elohim is, but what merciful one, what Yudhevka is. Isn't it interesting that the, 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 the Egyptian could accept Elohim, the, the idea of, uh, for Moses, the, the, the creation, the story of Genesis, maybe, 
but they could not, they were not ready to to accept the name of, of Yudhevavke. You know, two, four thousand years later, in this day, right now, look around us, and you see we still live there. We're still in that stage. How many people really know around you today what Yudhevavke is? Everybody can read the Bible. They all praise God, which means absolutely Elohim. Billions of people know Allah. Allah is Elohim. Ask a Muslim what is Yudhev Afke, he won't know. Oh, he knows that there is a Bible, there is a Quran, there is this and that. And this, the, the, the other billion of people know what the God is. But then, when it comes, somehow, when it comes to Yudhev Afke, somehow, this is like a liquid taste. Somehow, when it comes to Yudhev Afke, everybody fails. They just can't accept holiness. Uh, they, they call it Jehovah. You can you can meet you can meet the tremendous scholars that they read they read they, they know everything about Jewish life and then when I read the I read the book they they speak still speak about Jehovah and I scratch my head I don't know I, I, how could how could they talk about Jehovah they don't they don't know don't they know that Jehovah doesn't exist there is you the okay. Never, never, it's merciful, it's not the vengeance, it's a merciful Hashem, it's a merciful attribute, and so on. So what I, what I want to say, how unique this, you are, you are as a group of men of today. As, as few as you are, all these people here on the, on my, on the class, if I see the beautiful names here, you, you need to appreciate, you need to understand what you are now, as opposed to the, the rest of, of your neighbors. You are the one that, that can tell, that can read the Bible correctly. And you can point to your neighbor and say, oh, you see, this is the Elohim. This is Yudhev Afkei. This is a merciful attribute. This is Elohim. You see, if you don't know, if you don't appreciate the difference, how can you tell that there is a, there is a heavenly court here? If you don't pay attention to the speaker and what it means and how it comes, there is no meaning to the Bible. There is no, you don't know what, what you don't know what uh, guidance is. You don't know what what uh, what providence is. You can't understand who is judging you and and what, what who is looking after you. It's not a it's not a UFO that uh, we saw last week in 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 Texas flying there. It's it's the heavenly court is, is is watching us, and if you don't know the name, uh, how can you know what the heavenly court is? So you only, you see, uh, uh, so the rest of your neighbors are still in Egypt. In spirit, spiritually speaking, they are wonderful people. Don't I'm not putting it down. The United States is a wonderful king, kingdom. Uh, the rabbi talk about the United States in 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 almost like messianic. T- uh, it's a beautiful country. I don't I don't understand. But they're lacking the understanding what what Hashem is. If you don't know Hashem is, if you don't know to read it right, if you say Jehovah and you don't understand what it stands for, then you're still in Egypt. So that's what that's what that's what that was the failure of Joseph. He taught them the name of God. He taught them Elohim, but he found out when he when he, when he just mentioned 
when he was in, Rabbi said when he was in, in the house of Potiphar, and he was so successful because everywhere he went, he mentioned the name of Hashem, as we, as we do today, we, every, every time we write a letter or we write to make a note, we, we always say, in the help of Hashem, bet he in Hebrew, with the help of Hashem, we mentioned, we actually need the Shekhinah, Hashem. So that's what Moses, Joseph did. He went around in the house and he said, Hashem help me, Hashem help me this, Hashem help me that. So Hashem really helped him, but, the, but in the eyes of the master, the rabbi said, the Midrash said, uh, the, when, when, the, when the master heard it, he said, this guy is a witchcrafter. Every time he mentioned the name of Hashem, actually it's like a, a something, a witchcraft. And that's why he, when he became so successful, he thought about Joseph as a magician. And, and that's why what caused, that's what the, uh, Joseph realized, there is, a, there is a, like a screen you cannot go through. They can understand, the Egyptians can understand the name of Elohim, they can understand the name of God, they can understand the name of Allah. Uh, when President Bush uh, went to, to Saudi Arabia a few days ago, what did they give him? They gave him a sword. So this is, this is what the, this is the present that they, they dance with the, with the sword. Show me a Jew, one Jew that you dance with the sword. Because they, 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 they still lack, they don't understand what, what the, the, the Bible is. They, they don't understand that the, the message is, is not the soul. The message is, is, is a, the merciful one, the youth have of case. So they, they know only Allah. Allah is Elohim, unfortunately. The other Bible just don't teach it only Torah. The old saying, I, I was lost, but now I am found, means so much once you start studying Torah. You're right. Okay, so I think our time is, is uh, found out. Now the question is, uh, what we want to see, I, I want to go back, we, we're going to finish today, what we, the point, what we're going to discuss last, last week. So the heavenly court is now relying on two people, Judah and Joseph. This is the blue, the blue wing that you see. Which one of them will prevail? Which one will finally stand the stand of time, the, the, the test of time? And which one of them uh, will, will the Shekhinah finally will decide to stay with? Is it Joseph or is it Judah? And why? And what, so the, the Torah, the next few, actually a few chapters, the Torah dedicated to the, to the clash. This is a titanic clash between the two giants that present Judaism. Uh, Joseph on one hand, who want to change the world by, by various reasons, and Judah, which represents now a new thing, uh, uh, ten people, uh, the, the nation of Israel. So, so here is a clash between Judah and, and Joseph, and we will learn it, uh, continue to learn it, with the prism of blasphemy, uh, how it relates to our life, and so on. Any questions before we leave? So you have a beautiful day, all of you, 
And remember how precious you are, each one of us, each one of you, uh, our unique we are, our unique Bnei Noach movement is, and how small it is, and one day, as a, as, as, a, as, as a prophet will say, the knowledge of Hashem will cover the, the, the earth like water covers the sea. It's not the knowledge of God, as the people read it. It's the knowledge of Hashem. You'd have Afkei. The knowledge of Hashem will cover, everybody will know Hashem. The knowledge of Hashem will cover the earth like water covers the sea. So the name of Hashem, to, to pronounce it right, to understand what it means, to remember how it appeared first, what it, what it tells us, what's the future, what the Sabbath is, all that is impossible to understand if you, know, if you, if you don't know what you have of K is. Well, you have a nice week and good Shabbat. Bye.